0: I'm Summer Falgiano, and you're tuned in to Badasses in Tech. Today, we're joined by Unify ID founder and CEO, John Whaley. In this episode, he explains how his company is reinventing user authentication, along with his take on the evolution of consumer privacy.
1: Uh, My background is maybe a little bit atypical for being a, a startup CEO. I... I started off in academia. I, I did my my PhD um, at Stanford, um, you know, in computer science. And I was planning to be a professor. That's where I, uh, uh, that, that, that was my, my plan and my intent. Um, what had happened was I kind of fell into entrepreneurship. I had a, um, like, we were, were doing, working on a research project at Stanford. Um, mm-hmm. We, um, Vinod Khosla, who is, um, mm-hmm. you know, founder of Khosla, you know, founder of Sun Microsystems, Coastal Ventures, etc. He heard about our project and then we went to meet him. I mean, the, the only reason I knew him is because his photo was outside of my office at <laughs> Stanford. Um, you know, and uh, Matt, we weren't even really thinking about starting a company at that point. And then, you know, he basically gave us a term sheet that says, here's $3 million, go do something cool. Um, and so we thought that was a good, uh, a a nice opportunity. And so, um, so jumped at that. And then just really haven't looked back since then. Uh, that was back in 2005. Um, started my first com- uh, company that out of, out of Stanford there. I didn't, it was, it was before I had, I had graduated. Um, I, I did eventually go back and finish my degree and, and mm-hmm. finish my PhD. I did get my PhD. Um, and then I went back to th- and teach to Stanford uh, for a couple of years there as well. So had my first company from 2005 that eventually got acquired in 2015. Um, then started my next company in 2016, uh, which is my current company, Unified. E.
0: Very cool. You mentioned that you had an atypical background and you started in academia. I'm interested to understand. Do you feel like? H- how do you feel like that background set you apart from folks who may be? started their entrepreneurial journey from a different way?
1: You know, I mean, like, I got some, um, some, some feedback, like, so my, my, my first company, I was, uh, I was a CTO, it was very mm-hmm. much kind of a technology focus, this, my second time around, I was doing this as CEO, you know, and I got some feedback saying, you know, early on this saying, oh, like, maybe you want to take off the PhD off of your business cards, because huh. people may think that you are, you know, a little bit too academic, a little bit too ivory tower, like not that practical, the, these kind of things, you know, and because there's a, there was a, a vision and uh, of, you know, a, um, a startup CEO being like, okay, well, it's important to be, um, you know, good at business and good at sales mm-hmm. and these, uh, these type of things. And, you know, I thought about it, um, but then I thought, you know, I spent all these years doing this and this is honestly who I am. And like, right. and so rather than, try to pretend to be somebody that I'm not. It was more like, let me lean into the things that I'm good at. um, Which is, yeah. I mean, I I come from that academic background and that, that, and then number one, it allows me to be more authentic and more confident when I'm talking, like when I'm talking to people and being more, more, more honest about it. And then, and I get benefits from it there as well. I mean, I could go to um, you know, a conference Uh, like a technical conference, and I can go and speak like a keynote or other, you know, other type of speaking um, events or, you know, Mm -hmm. and I can do that in a really legitimate way. Um, And so A, that gives us a lot more credibility, B, it makes it easier to recruit really top technical talent, because then I can talk to them on their level. And it's like, well, okay, the CEO kind of knows, Knows, knows these areas, knows what we're talking sure. about. And so in some senses allow us to punch above our weight like normally we normally would in terms of the type of talent that we can recruit and, recruit and attract and everything. Um, because I mean, yeah, most CEOs, they can't, they, they can't do that. I mean, they can't just go into like a technical conference and and make those type of presentations, but I can. Sure. And so um, rather than pretend that I'm somebody I'm not, then, you know, I, it's rather just double down on the things that I'm good at. And then- Definitely. Um, and, and turn those, uh, those into strengths. And so that, um, you know, there, there are examples of, uh, you know, f- very highly successful CEOs that were founder founder CEOs who mm-hmm. were technical who then, um, you know, went on to grow and, and their company and become widely successful. And there's, you know, there's a handful of that, uh, that, that, you know, about, um, there as well. And so I think that, you know, um, but don't don't shy away from the fact, you know, if if you have to forge your own path, it's better right. to just be authentic and like with yourself, and then not try to not not pretend to be someone that you're not.
0: That's surprising to me that people actually encouraged you to remove the PhD. Uh, how did that feel? I mean, and how many people told you that?
1: No, I mean, I think this was look. Uh, the truth is, when when you're doing fundraising, when you're yeah. kind of looking at these like they're typically doing pattern matching and they're looking for, have I seen something like this before? And mm-hmm. like, does this feel familiar in some way? And so, you know, they, um, and there's a particular kind of mold. I mean, like I, I check some of the boxes there in terms of like, sure. okay, my background was like at MIT and Stanford and, uh, you know, um, you know and, and like technical founders is, is, is a positive. Once you hit a certain scale, there's like, in some cases people, like there's a impression that, Okay, well, uh, you know, a technical founder can only take it so far, and then like, right. are they going to be able to scale into like, you know, in, into other areas? Um, you know, I think that like, you don't, you you don't as a founder, you don't have to be uh, the individually the best at every single thing. You have to, um, you know, it it, it does it, it is important to have some type of superpowers like where, sure. you're, where you're better than uh than than what other people are, but like you also have to think about like. You're going to complement yourself with like with people of different skill sets there as well. Mm-hmm. So you know you don't have to yourself be the best at um, at everything, but you do have to be able to then inspire people and and you know recruit and inspire people to then to uh, very good people to, to to join and join your vision and
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and do the best that they can
0: it sounds like you've had a lot of opportunity. You know, you mentioned that you were once a founder, a CTO, now co-founder and, and CEO. Can you describe, and I'm sure it's it's different based on the company and all of that, but just from an overview level, can you describe the differences between each of those roles and what each of them is thinking the most about?
1: Uh, yeah, very different. I mean, if I think about like, you know, the, the days as a C, as a CTO, I mean, even you know, CTO in an early stage company has a lot of responsibility. But I mean, ultimately, like the, like the roles are end up being very different. Um, the CTO, like at the end of the day, when as a CTO, I could usually go home and feel like, okay, I've I've made you know I've I've made a dent. Like I've, mm-hmm. I've, I've uh, you know I I've, I've something off of the You know, things are under control when you're a CEO, like everything eventually just falls to you. Um, And so no matter what, how much you do, you always have a feeling that you're not doing nearly enough. And it's like, maybe I've finished, you know, 1% of what needs to get done. And there's 99% of the stuff, which Mm -hmm. you really feel like is, 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 uh, is not getting done. The other, the other piece is that, um, you know, when, when you're a CTO, then maybe there, it's a little bit less about, people management and like, you know, enabling other people to be in, to, to do, um, to be the best that they can be. Uh, you know, it's more, a little bit more about, you know, individual contribution or kind of contribution as like a technical leader. Um, when you're a CEO, then that becomes the most important thing is that, mm-hmm. are you able to recruit and, uh, and retain and, uh, and keep motivated like an all-star team? Um, sure. you know through uh, through all of this, so then much more of the time is spent on managing people, managing teams, recruiting you know um, all of those aspects of it because there's a set of things that you can do as you know um, that if you're if you're involved you know in some particular role in the, in the company, there's a set of things that like that you know there's a, there's a list of, of people who mm-hmm. could who could who could accomplish that and do it. There is also a list of things that own that uh, as CEO only you can do. Um, I mean, and it doesn't, you know, you can't delegate to anyone else. And that, what are
0: those items?
1: No, I mean, these are things involving like, you know, the, like the vision of the company, keeping mm-hmm. everybody uh, very, uh, very well aligned um, and, and rowing, you know, in the same direction. Then uh, these involves things like um, customer, some of the like high level customer relations, you know, mm-hmm. um, and investments and, you know, and strategy and vision. I mean, if you, um, you know, like if you are delegating those type of pieces out, then you're probably not, uh, you're doing your company a disservice. <laughs> you sure. know, these are the things that, that, um, that you as CEO should be, uh, should be focusing on. Um, and Um, yeah. And so like, and there, and there's a lot of stuff there. So Mm -hmm. like, you know, as the company grows and and scales, um, you know, you'll, you'll find yourself being less and less involved in the operational aspect. But I mean, the good news is that you can, you can usually hire people who are good at some of the day-to-day operations, allowing you to focus on, uh, you know, some of the, um, the, the longer term things or, mm-hmm. you know, uh, things that only that the, the, you as a, as a founder and CEO can do.
0: That makes sense. Well, what are you focused on as CEO and co-founder of Unify ID right now?
1: Yeah. So, uh, I mean, um, part of this is, um, you know, there are, uh, there are big initiatives within the company that are, that are, important to, uh, like, you know, achieving our next set of goals, Mm -hmm. you know, um, goals around customers, um, goals around fundraising, you know, goals around goals around growth. And then it's less so much about me, myself doing, doing the work for that. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like, we have now hit the state, like the stage of the company where it's much more important that I am making sure that everyone else is well aligned and they know, the, uh, what the direction is that we're, that we Mm -hmm. should be going. And there's no, like, there's no barriers or or roadblocks to them being successful. Because I mean, when, in the early days when it's just, you know, one, two, three, five, 10 people, maybe, uh, like your, uh, your individual contribution makes a big difference as it is right now, you know, uh, that, you know, we're, we're up to, you know, close to 30 people now. Mm-hmm. this um, you know, at that scale uh, then it, that it, it it becomes more important that you know I am enabling the rest of the team to be productive because um, even if I individually could jump in and you know do uh, do some some things number one that's not even sustainable it's not mm-hmm. sustainable for me to go and jump in and write code. it's not sustainable for me to go and jump in and do you know a bunch of um, things on the marketing side sure. or sales development I mean oh like you do it you do what you need to do um, to, 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 to make us successful. But um, you know, that's not a great solution. If like, if the CEO is having to jump into those, Absolutely, it's much better to be, you know, at this phase of this type of phase of the company is much better to enable other people to be able to then take on Mm -hmm. those
0: responsibilities. That makes sense. And what challenges is Unify ID solving?
1: Yeah, so we do, um, so we, we do authentication, we can authenticate people based on their behavior, um, like the way that they walk, or, uh, you know, use, uh, unique aspects of their behavior. And it's much, wow. it's much better than using passwords or other forms of authentication, like, you know, two-factor codes, or, you know, um, you know, other things which have a lot of, Friction as well as don't add that much security and and are, are very annoying to the end user, so um, you know they this is this is really about the the next generation of authentication you know in the future it's going to be much more um, things will be much more seamless and much more secure. Um, hmm. you won't have to really think about like a, what's my password these type of things you know, effectively you'll be able to be yourself and then there's enough that's unique about you that that's giving, a relief. Sensor data, yeah. Given all the sensor data, in people's lives and you know, with the phones and, and wearables and etc. cetera, they um, you know, much many of these interactions become much more seamless. And so, most, most of the customers that we work with today are you know, are, are ones that care about security but also care about user experience.
0: Yeah, yeah, I can only imagine how important. Well, security is always important no matter who you are or what time you're in, but I'm I can only imagine how much it's become. Uh, even more important now as everything is digital first, remote first. How have you been able to lead your team to adapt to the the changes that we've been experiencing here in the world?
1: Yeah, I mean, so I mean, uh, one, one piece is internally we, we we've shifted, you know, from basically everybody working on site, you know, here every day. To a model, I mean, um, for for a while, everybody was completely work from home, so we had 100% remote. Now it, it's still at this point, it's um, it's around 70% remote uh, still mm-hmm. uh, today. Uh, that's where we are today. I mean, the, the team is has has made that transition very well, um, you know, and adapted well um, for that transition, which is great. Um, so that's like so internally, we've had our, some of our own challenges. Um, externally as well, you know, there's um. Um, things have really changed over the last um, few months, um, just because of COVID and everything yeah. else. I mean, on the one side, there is there there has been a significant slowdown, is just in in all economic activity. Mm-hmm. Basically, things where they have projects where you know we we are interacting and, and engaged in these projects, and then all of a sudden, you know, there's um, you know, people are worried about. How do I work from home? And you know, yeah. what do I do about childcare? And like these type of things, where a lot of things be- got what paused. It was almost like we had this two month pause of where not much was happening either on the on the customer side or on the fundraising side. On the other side, we're, like we're seeing a lot of opportunities uh, because you know, I mentioned around the, the authentication that we, um, the technology that we have, we have more people working remotely. Now, uh, there's increased need for, for remote authentication. The number of attacks has increased substantially, you know, five, five times as many attacks, like in terms of cyber attacks, nine times as many, you know, phishing type of attacks, wow. like all of these, um, you know, in the, in the age of COVID, you know, um, uh, you know, like, you know, uh, these, these type of uh, malware attacks where it's like, you'll get a, a, an email attachment. Nowadays, the email attachment often says something related to COVID or other, yeah. these other things. Um, you know, there's just a, a dramatic increase on that side. And then at the same time, you know, some of the other solutions like face ID or touch ID, or some of these that you may use on your mobile device, mm-hmm. they become, you know, they're, they're they, their limitations are now becoming more exposed. I mean, when you are wearing a mask, guess what? You know, facial recognition doesn't work, right? When you're wearing gloves, right. okay, you can't use Touch ID anymore. So um, th- there has been uh, an increased interest in, you know, using these additional um, forms of authentication. And this is not just a blip. I mean, this is like the the society is changing. Um, yeah. This is, um, you know, this is not going to be, um, you know, hey, next month, everything is going to be back to normal. There's going to be there. There's a, been a seismic shift that has happened sure. um, in uh, in technology and the way that people do business.
0: It's accelerated a lot of oh, what you're you're building and and so many other things. I I you're I absolutely agree. This is this is definitely the new normal. So we might as well get used to it and start making some some things to help us along the way.
1: Yeah, and and there's I mean, near term yeah there's near term challenges. Um, you know, in terms of like making it through, you know, uh, the, the current economic client, uh, yeah. climate, you know, um, but then, uh, there's a, there's huge opportunity on the other side. And if you look at like the lot, the other times where we, you know, but I've been through where we've seen these type of things, you know, if you think about 2008 mm-hmm. 2009, to 2009 to 2010, like, you know, the, the last time we had the, the financial crisis or even back in 2000, I mean, this was, you know, and then if you look at, um, you know the number of, of, of great companies that were founded and and really got started in traction during those years, like in you know two thousand one, two thousand two, and also like two thousand nine to twenty ten. There's a lot of really great companies that that were born out of that. Mm-hmm. And so I think like this is you know it's a right now it's a it's a really great time of opportunity um, for for entrepreneurs um, because people are. I mean, you, we see this socially as well. I mean, people yeah. are now using this opportunity to rethink the way that we are that we do um, th- that that our institutions work you know I mean I think you see this with black lives matter I think you see this with you know that with on the technology side as well and so you know smart investors are uh, they're, they are using times like this to look for these types of opportunities
0: yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. And and what you're saying is really inspiring. I can only imagine how many people who are trying to start their next venture or young adults who maybe are graduating college or just even going into college uh, are trying to understand where to go and may feel discouraged by by what's going on. Can you shine a little bit of light? You know, you sound very optimistic and and you have uh, a lot of opportunities in front of you. How would you how would you advise somebody who's maybe feeling a little bit stuck right now to to overcome and, and get back in there?
1: Yeah. I mean, the natural tendency for people in these type of situations is to be conservative. I mean, it's like you know, you know, I really need my stable job. Let me stay at like a larger organization, larger company. Let me not join a startup because, you know, I'm, I'm worried about, you know, economic stability. Um, you know, you're, you're doing yourself a disservice in these cases. I mean, just, I mean, regardless of, uh, of who you are, um, you know, if you, you um, if you have the confidence to be able to then, and, 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 and the perspective to be able to then say, you know what, like, I'm not that worried about like, being able to get a job, you know? I mm-hmm. mean, even if like, even if the economy goes bad, guess what? Like, you know, if the economy goes bad, you know, some of the bigger companies are going to do mass layoffs anyway. Yeah. Right? And so we've like we've experienced you know, it's, that. We've seen that. Yeah. Yeah. And so in, in, in some senses, you know, you're not actually taking that much more risk. And then if the economy is actually not that bad, then you could always go back to to join one of those larger organizations there as well. So but I mean, I think that there's a natural, natural tendency for humans just to, you know, in these type of un, you know, mm-hmm. uncertain times to then fall back and become a little bit more conservative. And it's kind of like if you if you are able to overcome that and then kind of do the do the opposite, then that's where there's going to be uh, a lot more opportunity, uh, there, mm-hmm. right? I think the other, the other thing I'll say is that I've seen just things on the, on the investment side, again, because there were, there were areas where there were, um, there were groups that were historically overlooked, you know, in terms of, um, you know, female-led, um, you know, co- companies or, you know, from, from minority, like, you know, based on minorities and others mm-hmm. where I think that, you know, in terms of the investment community had not, you know had they've been underserved. And like, there's been, there were hidden gems in those, you know, in, in yeah. those type of companies that um, now because of like what we've seen in some of the, the, the social changes that are happening are like, people are now taking a fresh look at some of these um, and some of these opportunities. So I think it's also, whereas historically there may have been, um, you know, a little bit more, um, you know, more difficulty on that side. Sure, like we see uh, more more VCs and more investors who are committing to, you know, um, you know, in, investing in, you know, talking with more, um, you know, uh, black-owned businesses and you know, yeah. and, or, or female-owned, uh, you know, us, you know, f- founders, things like that. You know, and this is not. Um, from what I've seen, this is like in the past has been lip service about it. Now I'm actually seeing like it's, starting to see change. Yeah. And so, and this is, it's, it's, I mean, it's good, not just from the moral imperative side, it's also good from a business sense. I mean, there are, mm-hmm. there are, uh, there are some great companies and, and, and really hidden gems there that investors that do this will get a better return uh, because they you know, if they're looking in places that other investors aren't, yeah. I mean, this is, this is ultimately, if you are an investor, like if you're doing, if you're just doing what everybody else is doing, you're not going to win. Like you're, if you're just a follower, you're just not not going to win. And many times, like, you know, investors, it's about pattern matching, just looking for certain patterns. Um, The ones that can be a little bit more forward thinking and then break out of that are going to be the ones that are going to be successful. And so I think there's a, there's a great opportunity as well, even if you you don't have a traditional background, you know, you don't have, uh, you know, you don't necessarily fit that mold. uh, Now's the time to, to move forward and, and, and try it. Yeah.
0: Seize the, seize the opportunity. Yeah. I love that, especially, you know, to your point while some people, while probably a majority of people are taking that conservative lens, it's creating such an opportunity for others who want to get out there and for others to start shaping this new normal and, and being those new new voices that maybe we've been lacking. Um, so I, I totally agree with what you have to say there. I think that's important. Um, I have a question specifically about entrepreneurs in tech and software development. Um, the developer space seems so important right now. What what advice do you have for those types of entrepreneurs, specifically those trying to break into like security?
1: Yeah, I mean, this is what uh, you know. Talking about shifts that we had made, uh, you know, that was kind of coincided with 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 COVID as well. I mean, we um, we had already seen the writing on the wall of of things moving more of a towards a more developer focus. I mean, um, security is a little bit more of a holdout. I mean, like th- there's other areas where you know, the decision makers have been, you know, often been developers. Security traditionally is a little bit more conservative, you know, around, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the the more typical model, especially with kind of larger enterprises is that, you know, these type of policies are dictated from, you know, the CIO or the CISO or like these type of things. And then there's less individual decisions made. That is changing. Uh, Mm -hmm. these, These pieces are absolutely changing. We've already seen it in many other fintech. Um, you know areas, um, you know, and, and other areas of uh, of the stack. So now, um, you know, so there's a there's a tremendous opportunity there. Um, and then if you, you know, I think that any company now, um, I mean, uh, that is looking at providing any of this type of B two B, whether it's in security or other areas, should take a hard look at um, it, what is your plan for um, for reaching developers, because more and more, like you know, they. The new world that we're in is that even um, even other areas like marketing, uh, yeah. like PR, like they're, they're basically, everybody is becoming developers, you know, yeah. and, and um, you know, sales as well. Like, and so if you're not serving a developer market, even if it's, you're not, your product is not traditionally like a software tool that, that developers use, you have to have that mindset uh, because everything is becoming, Software and largely, like all of these roles are becoming, in essence, developer roles. Um, totally. And so, you know, just think of, you know, thinking about the tools to enable these type of uh, these type of things um, becomes very important, and how you're going to reach them. And you know, it's a little bit different. Like you don't. This is not, a, you know, a, a typical like kind of tops down top down type of let me go and influence this like particular individual within the organization right and then they're gonna be able to push the stuff through this is a you know you have to think about it a little bit more and bottoms up you have to have to think about you know uh like the, the b s o meter for you mm-hmm. know developers and kind of these individuals is you know it's much more refined and so you have to be you have to be more honest and more authentic you can't you know it's it's a little bit less like salesy um, right oh uh, yeah. Uh, type of approach they'll see right through all that yeah yeah they do and like you know they'll have a healthy dose of skepticism you know around Mm -hmm. things that like you know offers that are free or like you know this you know things that's like where's the strings attached and like Mm -hmm. they actually believe this and like because like you know they're many of these individuals are you know they're either you know when when they're being sold to they um you know Having an, a, a very overt sales process is not the right approach. Um, you know, they want you want to basically treat them in a um, in a much more respectful way. And then when they, you want to be top of mind when they are looking for a solution, uh, like looking At for a solution fine. to a problem like yours, right? And you know, if you if that's if that's um, if you're able to position your, yourself and your brand in that way, then then you'll be successful in this that type of world. Hmm.
0: Well, I feel like in the future, we're going to have a quote from you saying that the develop- developers are eating the world and we'll see that. So here we go. We're making history right here. <laughs> before we leave I have one more question you touched on it a little bit earlier um, you know you mentioned the future of security with the, with these biometric capabilities I'm definitely looking forward to that because I'm someone who constantly is forgetting passwords what other things can we look forward to um, in the world of, of security and, and software and all of that what are you what are you forecasting
1: I think that um, I mean we've seen this trend in general just across technology where you um, like the the hard part of technology is not the technology part. It's actually the human element, the human Hmm. needs. And so, you know, if you look at, um, and and there's many examples, examples of this where, you know, there's limitations to technology. I mean, i put passwords in this bucket there as well, where because of the limitations of technology, humans have to then adapt to the limitations of technology. And, um, and it's Hmm. very hard to change human behavior. Um, and, uh, and so what you'll see is be, and, and technology, like the, the, the pace of, of advancement is such that, you know, instead of humans having to adapt to the limitation of technology, um, technology will then come and meet humans where they are. And so like you see this with things like speech recognition, for example, if you know mm-hmm. in the early days you know, speech recognition didn't really work. I mean, it was like, you know, it, you had to wear a special headset and like mm-hmm. it only work, you know, kind of maybe 90% of the time. Not, very clunky. Yeah, very clunky, not, you know, and then, and now like, because the technology has now reached the point where I can, you know, I can say, Hey Siri, you know, what's the weather today or, you know, it, anything like that. And then they will, uh, and it works. I mean, like, yeah. it's still, I mean, it's still not perfect. I mean, by absolutely not perfect, but these are now ways that previously we didn't have that way of interacting with technology and now we do. Right. And so you're going to see this more and more happen just across, across the board, you know, in the context of authentication, you'll, you'll see this in terms of authentication, just becoming much more seamless, much more continuous, not so much like here's my piece of plastic where I have my, you know, my, my 10 year old photo on it Mm -hmm. um, with a mag stripe. And then that's how I'm going to pay for things. Like, it's going to be, these things are going to be much more natural. You're going to walk into your bank. You your, your bank is going to, you know, greet you by name. Um, wow. You're going to ask, let say, oh, can I have $200? And they're going to say, oh, here you go. And like, you're not going to, like the whole... Thing around like okay, like okay, swipe your piece of plastic, type in your four digit pin, right? You know, th- those are going to change. The, the travel is going to change a lot. Um, you know, they um, the the way you, uh, shopping brick and mortar is going to change. Um, you know, and then and, and the it's going to become much more just just much more human, much more natural, and much more human. Like these type of interactions. That sounds good. Um, because that's um, and, and then this is going to happen just across the board where. You know, instead of us having to to adapt to the limitations of technology, technology is going to reach the point where it's going to be able to then meet us where we are, and then uh, allow uh, you know humans to just have a much more natural interaction with technology.
0: That's awesome. The future is definitely looking bright. I'm. Can't wait for all of those to to come about, especially with everything going on in the world today. You know, typing in those keys. Every time I go to the grocery store or the bank, I'm like, do I really want to touch this right now? I don't know. So all of that contactless stuff, that can come as as soon as it's ready. Send it our way. Thanks for listening to today's episode. To hear more, check out our website, badassesintech.com, and join our community. We're also on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. So follow us and tune in next week. That about sums it up. I'm Summer Falgiano, and this is Badasses in Tech.